You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. So sorry about that, guys. We're back. <laughs> no, we're, uh, we're actually live this time. All right, yeah. everybody. Welcome to 3DM's podcast. Uh, this week, we are going to be discussing classes, everything. We're going to start our class discussion series, everything from B to W. There's we're no also, class that starts with A, I'm afraid. So tragically. At least not in the core. Uh, and we're also going to have a lovely discussion with our friend of the show, Nacho. But before we introduce him, real quick pause for the cause. Uh, let's talk about our sponsor, Watchtower Comics and Games in Dexter and Milan, Michigan. Little mom and pop shop. Stop in, buy some dice, buy some books. Uh, they're kind enough to fund us so we can do this. And so if you could show them a little bit of love if you're ever in southeast Michigan, we'd Please really appreciate it. We'd appreciate it. Uh, we are recording out of the Royal Oak Studio at Podcast Detroit. And so, with that, Nacho, thanks for coming out today, buddy. Hey, anytime. So, uh, Nacho, for everybody who's tuning in, because I think if you've watched the show at least a little bit, you know us yeah. at this point, give oh. everybody the important deets. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm Nacho. Uh when I was growing up and learning how to read, my dad introduced me to Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, so they started me young. That a boy. <laughs> then I actually grew up with Clint there. Yeah, we uh, I had I had transferred high schools, uh, and Nacho was one of my wrestling teammates after transferring. So Nacho and I go way back. Actually, the second D and D game I played with Nacho was a player, and I've been playing D and D with him since. Yeah, and then after high school, I spent four years in the Marine Corps Infantry. Now I'm trying to get an education. Trying to get educated. Trying, trying to. A noble cause. Noble indeed. So and now I get to nerd out with all y'all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, though, it was a rather uh, interesting when Clint said at, before our Wednesday night game one day, hey, by the way, I'm going to bring my buddy from the military tonight. <laughs> oh, okay. Sweet. What's his name? Nacho. Okay. I don't know how I feel about this. Um <laughs> But no, he's been a delight, and he's welcome to every every single table I play at. Well, yeah, I introduced my character by headbutting a phoenix. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's how you make a good impression, both on me and on everybody else in the game. But so, Jake, what's our first topic for discussion today? We are going to begin our series on discussing and rating every single damn class in the game. So all of them, starting from the top, you get this lovely, beautiful book that you go buy at a store. Correct. Hopefully. Uh, you're not stealing it, I hope. Stealing you go to the store. Crime. You buy the player's handbook. You start flipping through. You start looking at the classes. Races technically come first, but we're not going to get deep into that. Um, we are going to talk, however, about the stuff that you play as. And so 
I am going to take point here on starting with one of my favorite classes because anybody who knows me loves I love to smash and I like to shout. So with that, the master of smashing and shouting, the barbarian. Barbarian, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for those who are new to D&D or, you know, getting a grasp really on D&D because that's why we're doing this. Anybody who's seasoned and know their stuff knows that barbarians are good at two things, getting hit in the face and then laughing at you after getting hit in the face. Uh, a long and ancient tradition is the barbarian. A long standing and sacred tradition of the barbarian. It goes back to AD&D where – they uniquely could not use magic items and had to break it to gain experience points. So anytime you ran across a magic sword, the barbarian would break it in half. So is, so is that where is that where the destructive barbarian trope comes from? Yes. Uh, it comes from Conan the Barbarian, who I'm sure many of our viewers yeah. are familiar with. That's where the inspiration comes from. Beginning. Shouting history aside, but it helped. the <laughs> barbarian trope comes from the sack of Rome when – or rather the sacks of northern Greek cities when barbarians, i.e. bearded peoples who did not speak Greek – Came and wrecked shit. Yes, that's where the term barbarian comes from, certainly. I'm sure the uh, people the, who are yes, not the like D&D us tradition like is good old Conan and, and his thighs and loincloth. Yes. Yeah, also his mighty thews. Or <laughs> his, his thighs. His sinews. <laughs> so, guys, let's talk about barbarians. Let's talk about what they do mechanically. Let's talk about how fun they are. Barbarians. Um, right off the bat, they have the most unused dice in the game as their hit die. The lonely D12, only used for barbarians, great axes, and occasional phallic measurement. My also, favorite die. Occasional also, phallic dragon and undead hit points. That too. Um, so barbarians, naturally a lot of HP because uh, their job is, again, to get hit in the face. Without wearing plate armor. Without wearing plate armor. Uh, very simple in terms of skills. Very straightforward. You get simple proficiencies, light armor, medium armor. Uh, you are good with every single weapon that you can You take your muscles and hit somebody with. Including chairs, improvised weapons and stuff? Yes. Chairs, tables, I'm, and ladders? I'm afraid that's not necessarily a thing, but in case you don't want to You need trouble, Tavern Brawler for that, but that's – Feats, feats yeah. is way down the road. Um, very light smattering of skills they get, and their equipment section is – the shortest in the game, which I actually adore because – so when you're doing starting equipment, you have to pick you know, A or B on these lists. Anybody who's done character creation would know this. Uh, you get either an axe or something else. You get a Or back, something else. Yeah. You get more axes or another simple weapon and then you get a backpack and javelins. You get four things to murder people with right off the bat. Well, those are the – Basic implements of barbarianing. Yeah, yeah. Like you use the javelins to hit things that stay out of your axe range wisely, and then you use the axe to hit things that aren't smart. Enough and then to you stay use your hand range. axe to throw an axe because throwing axes look sweet. Yeah, yeah. Why um, wouldn't you? I I have a great and deep love for the barbarian because I think anybody who plays the game and struggle like they're kind of overwhelmed by how many mechanics there are. The barbarian is an excellent starting point class. It is opinion. a very, you know, it's if you're trying to get your feet wet and you don't know what to do because I've seen a bunch of new players come in, try to play something very complex and they don't have a good time because they're just like I don't know what to do. Um barbarian simple and here is why. The barbarian has one main thing that he does. Rage. He gets very angry. His all the ability time. to fly into a rage uh, powers his entire kit. Uh, it allows you to make advantage on strength saving checks. You do extra damage when you hit. Um, you take less damage from 
slashing, bludgeoning, and piercing objects. Non-magical, I believe. But non-magical. That's going to be the vast majority of things you're hit with is non-magical. Early so. in the game, yes. As you move on from there, you get a couple of cool little fluff flavor things. I love in 5th edition that they added the unarmored defense. So you can finally have the naked, screaming barbarian. You know, you can just run around in your fur loincloth with your giant axe and your horned helmet and you can be a barbarian. If a, you're feeling frisky, you don't even need that. Well, yeah. yeah a, uh, but we'll, we'll save that for after hours. Yeah. A, uh, a good friend of mine played a barbarian in a game once who flew into combat absolutely naked and he just wore a bear's skin over his, like, body while he was like walking around. and then Historically yeah, accurate. Flying into combat would just rip that off. Uh, you get a bunch of very useful stuff for any party to have. Danger Sense. Danger Sense allows you to know when bad things are about to happen to you. There's a trap. There's something. You Back know, the, in ye old days, that was called Uncanny Dodge. And yeah. it was incredibly useful, I have to tell you. You got it at second level. It was fantastic in third edition. And you also get a couple other fun things like Reckless Attack, which is I don't care about anything. I'm going to hit you really hard and you suffer for the consequences of that later. Mechanically, it works. You will get advantage at uh, the next – at the person you're trying to hit and then they get advantage on you. A bit of a double-edged sword, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it's not something you want to use unless you really don't care and you want this thing to die right now. So hopping into the paths really quick. Um, there are only two flavors until Xanathar's comes out later this month. Excited putting fingers together. Um, and those are Path of the Totem Warrior, which we're going to cover a little bit, and Path of the Berserker. Path of the Berserker is the simplest one. It is, hey, I'm really good at getting angry. I'm going to continue to be even better at getting really angry. Um, mindless Rage, Frenzy, uh, all these are abilities that you get. There were abilities that made the Barbarian quite effective in the back in the days of 3rd edition and Pathfinder because it made the Barbarian one of the few martial classes that was in fact useful at all because nothing does the job as well as a Barbarian hitting you in the face with an axe. Yeah. Um, and also they get mindless rage. They can't be charmed. They can't be frightened. So it's just a big, angry, screaming thing. Jumping really quick to totems, and then we're going to have our open table discussion. Uh, Path of the Totem Warrior is really cool. You basically pick your spirit animal, your actual spirit animal. You're somewhat limited at the moment, but I'm sure they'll expand that over time. Um, well, there's been a couple of unearthed arcanos that have expanded on that, and there's also some stuff in like the Xanathar's. Sword Coast uh, Xanathar's and Sword Coast Guide uh, Adventuring. There's a few other barbarian totem warrior paths in there. But basically you can pick a bear, you can pick a wolf, or you can pick an eagle and you get different buffs from all of them. Bear being the most upsetting for a DM because with the bear totem, uh, barbarians actually just don't believe in damage. Yeah. To them it is uh, it's something that hasn't been proven by science um, and you haven't been able to prove that uh, damage is actually occurring. And you can't prove it. You, exactly. You, you can't, can't explain that. What, yeah. what do you mean I feel that sword to the face? No, I don't. Exactly. Stop lying to me. So, guys, everybody at the table, how's everybody feel about Barbarians? I had uh, I had a game, the first game that I ran, the, the game that in prior episodes I've explained as more of a drinking group with a gaming problem. <laughs> um, they, uh, they drew from the deck of many things and one of the cards that they drew, one of the players got an NPC. And I made the very, very bad mistake of giving them a wolf totem barbarian with a rogue in the party. 
That's barbarian, cool. barbarian is super super cool with uh, the wolf totem. If you, especially if you have a rogue in the party, because rogues get their sneak attack when they have advantage on attacks. It doesn't necessarily say if they're unseen. So if this thing is within, if the wolf totem barbarian is within ten feet of whatever they're trying to attack, the rogue can five automatically. Feet. Is it five? Is it five? Yeah. I thought it was ten. Five feet. Five feet. I think it's five feet, and they've got no allies within five feet. But mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Correct me, listeners. Um, you're mostly right, but. Semantics aside, semantics aside, it 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 gives it increases the chance that a rogue is able to do those sneak attack, which die. is fantastic flavor. Because I I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this, but one of the greatest inspirations for the barbarian and Gary Gygax's Unearthed Arcana was Unearthed Arcana. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, was Fafherd and the Gray Mouser, which is an adventure story in the vein of Conan the Barbarian. Which in D and D terms, I'd best fluff them as. A barbarian and a rogue. We did get. We did just get a comment from Kyra or Kira. 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 Fado. Fado. It says it is. It's just five feet. No other restrictions. Uh, also, yes. earlier they also commented and said, "No worries. I share every single episode. Thank you. Thank you very much. You are our greatest fan. You are our, one of our greatest fans. Yes. No." Fado is the greatest fan. He is. I will fight everybody outside the studio. But <laughs> Wolf Totem is the, the team player. Bear is uh, the – instead of climate change denying, you deny damage. Yep. You're a damage It doesn't truther. exist. <laughs> and Eagle is a kind of hodgepodge, including the most useful ability, which is flight. That's eventually though. Yeah. Eventually you can fly while raging and there's nothing angrier than a screaming man or woman coming after you with a great axe that you can't fly away from. Yep. Nacho currently that, plays wizards. a very uh, angry little halfling barbarian in my game uh, that has through shenanigans and sheer will ended up with basically Molnir, uh, the ability to fly and he can't speak a lick of common. <laughs> But he speaks fluent. He does. He does a little bit. My character, uh, once he's no longer kidnapped, um, plans on giving uh, my hand some uh, some lessons in common. But until that point, he's <laughs> my little halfling. He speaks orc. He doesn't speak common. Got, got to give that eight intelligence something. Yeah. Here's a thought: Why are barbarians always fla- uh, sort of flavored as being like orcs or half orcs? Is there some sort of long term tradition behind that? No, because- I think it's just big, muscly dudes and. The idea of the barbarian is that they are a untrained warrior, much like the Hulk, and their whole job description is get pissed, get in their face, and you know, like get they're not nasty. doing they're not yes. doing academic trained fighting. They're swinging an axe really hard at you, and then getting hit in the face and going, "That didn't hurt." <laughs> That's why I love barbarians. No, you didn't. You yes. didn't hit me. I'm fine. <laughs> but I, the 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 the, uh, the Monty Python. Equivalent. The, it's just a flesh wound is is pretty uh, pretty relevant here. Like you could take a barbarian's leg off, and he's just like, "No, you didn't." Tis but a scratch. Yeah, I'll bite your toes. Come off. on, you pansy. Yeah. As a final, uh, like one more story about a barbarian in one of my games. Um, he basically charged into a maze incredibly recklessly that was filled with enemies everywhere, and eighteen crossbow bolts later, he was only at half health. And we just joked that he was literally a walking pin cushion. He finally sat down after running into the cleric, and he was just like, "Okay, help." <laughs> Sounds like me and him need to do some tag team barbarian. Yeah. Work. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But oh, by that barbarian, just for everybody who's in my game here at this table, that was Sigur. Oh, um, no. uh, oh no, Jesus. Anyway, barbarians are an excellent starting point because. Um, not to disparage barbarian users, they don't have that much going on under the hood other than the rage and the abilities attached to the rage. They're good team players when they're wolf totem and they're uh, incredible tanks when bear totem. 
but there's not like you don't have to memorize a whole bunch of spells. You don't have to memorize a whole bunch of rogue tricks. And see, that's why I brought the wolf totem into that game that I was talking about is because they were fairly new players. I kind of wanted to give them something to help them out. Yeah. Yeah, it's great but, for getting your toes wet. I also yeah. want to bring up that uh, Steve in the comment section points out that there is an orc trait where you can go down to one rather than zero, I imagine, HP once before a rest is a huge factor that helps uh, orcs being good at being barbarians. Ah, uh, yes, the ability oh. to ignore death. Yeah, feel Again, no pain. not scientifically proven. Yeah, and then yeah. the uh, barbarian, they have an ability that once they drop down to zero, you roll your, uh, I believe it was a con save, that just increases by five every time you uh, have to make it to stay standing. It's the old die hard ability. You have, you have extra blood. Yes. That you can just. You're, you're a bit overdrawn at the blood bank, but what does that matter? Oh, you killed me six times. I'm still standing. Yeah. So. Uh, we also need to move on to the next class. Of course we do. Yes, we do. Uh, but any final thoughts on Barbarian? I Anything recommend you to see anybody done? who wants um, to start playing D&D. Yeah, I think Barbarians are a lot of fun. The, the, point, the point that I brought up outside before the episode started is all of the classes that we're going to be covering, I feel uh, like every class in 5e is viable in its own way. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Barbarian is definitely the awesome get your toes wet, don't have to worry about too much bookkeeping and just hit things in the face really hard. And I think the one thing that everybody's forgetting, it is the single best mono class party that you can have. A five-player barbarian, all-barbarian party is a riot. You're not taking them down. It's hilarious. No, because it's always the same thing. They're drunk, they're angry, and they they are a walking, fleshy hurricane. They sledgehammer their way through things. And that is why but, we love them. Yeah. And so with Let's that. Let's move on to the complete opposite of that class, the bard. I pass the book to you, sir. The bard is an ancient tradition indeed. It gets about as old as it did. And frankly, the bard had a very troubled history in the early days. You couldn't be a bard without multiclassing into fighter, rogue, and wizard, and then resetting all your levels to be a bard back in AD&D. And that was awful. Nobody likes doing that. It was such a pain. Yeah. In 2nd edition, they were there, I guess, but they had the issues in the fact that they were sharing space with the fighter uh, wizard and the rogue wizard. And 3rd edition, they kind of came into their own. The bard is the quintessential face, which is to say somebody who takes on the role of acting in the party's best interest. Imagine they're a lawyer, but you try to sleep with everybody. That's actually the best – analogy for a bard that I've ever heard. That, that, that's how I play That bard. is – well, that is the stereotypical bard. So actually I'm going to – we're going to take a hot second here. Um, everybody at the table, what is the most ridiculous shenanigan that a bard has ever caused in a uh, game? The most ridiculous bard shenanigan ever that I've been a part of definitely goes to Nacho without a doubt. Like we sat down to play a game and everybody has like these like ridiculous high fantasy names. He made a female bard named Tara. Because simplicity is um, key. You want yeah. people to remember your name. And you got to keep it short. Keep it simple, stupid. We're, we're literally staring death in the face in the form of a red dragon. And Nacho, no. N- I had 20 charisma, and it's like, hey, I want to He does a dragon. seduction check on a red dragon. Well, I, I, I believe I used track. persuasion for it, but that's a nice you, you got to call it a seduction check. Yeah, I mean, it was I persuasion, but it's, it's, it's a right. seduction I check. I see you. The classic seducing of the red dragon. Yes, let's. And I raise you the time that Paul's sister literally told a woman who had been studying how to ascend to godhood for her entire life that she was actually doing it wrong, needed to leave the circle so she could then step in as the bard and ascend to godhood. 
Glibness is a hell of a drug. Glibness, no. One day we're going to talk about spells, and one day we're going to talk about glibness, and I'm just going to go back in the corner, so that way the mic will be able to pick up my screams at how much I hate that spell. I just had to restrain every single swear word I know coming out of my body. Well, I mean, fuck... Charm person? Who, who needs that when you can just get plus 30 to your uh, bluff checks? When the difficulty for a completely improbable lie is only 20. Excuse me on that. It's Bards have certainly got some – they've got the best social manipulation spells in the game. They've got a whole bunch of assisting abilities, but they're no mainline fighter. I mean would you go as far as to say that as far as role-playing goes in the game that bards are definitely up there as – Bards are one of the strongest, if not the strongest, role playing class yeah, in the game. Yes. A- well, any that puzzle and sorcerer. So let's take it all back a little bit. Bards are an excellent support class in the game, and here's why. They are arguably the best skill monkey in the game in fifth edition. Uh, skill monkey is a term that we you, yeah, we use to refer to a character who has an abundance of proficient skills. Just it's a general role playing game term that used to describe any character who's not focused on magic or on fighting or on psionics or computer hacking or whatever, depending on your game, but has, just has so many skills that if you don't have a specialist in the class, you say, okay, we'll let the skill monkey have a crack at it. A very a very uh, simple build in 5th edition uh, is the Half-Elf College of Lore Bard, which gets 10 skills at level three, they have by level three, they have ten skills between background, uh, between the College of Lore stuff, and the fact that they can just pick any skill. Oh, and don't forget that Bard has Jack of All Trades, which yes. gets pretty early on. Uh, level two, I believe. Level two, and that means anything they're not skilled in, they still get to add half of their proficiency bonus to. That, that's what Terra was. Yeah, no, the uh, the the Lord that these bastards assassinated that I talked about before that uh, Nacho plays in my game on Tuesday, and so does Jake. Uh, the Lord of the Island that they took over and assassinated, he was a College of War bard. The thing is, of course, is that was, bards are was not easy. Until start. his casket was kicked over. You damn right. Legion of, <laughs> Legion of Doom. Too sweet. <laughs> Wait, you can't that do that. Cease and desist, man. You're right, that you're was right, out of sorry. frame. Don't worry. It, okay, good. Uh, bards Vince, are not an easy us. class to start with. Bards have a lot of things that you need to keep track of, and they're very much a class that requires heavy role-playing to get your maximum potential out of. They're the class that can, well, get the party out of legal trouble and the party inevitably does something stupid or the barbarian decides, I'm going to get drunk and wreck a town. So the bard busts out their old legal training and gets them out of the trouble. Damage control. Yes. The thing, of course, is the bard is more capable than any other class in getting into trouble because a bard (laughs) is sort of one-third rogue, one-third fighter, and one-third wizard. Can I bring to mind a popular culture figure? Yeah, of course. Character? Of course. Uh, Paul Bettany as Jeffrey Chaucer in A Knight's Tale. Yes, very much so. Mm. Yep. Uh, bards have the famous uh, bardic performance ability, which has changed somewhat in 5th edition, but it's still easily one of the best support abilities in the entire game. You've got clerics and druids kind of compete with them, but nobody can mess with the bard as the best support caster in the yeah. game. Even as only a half caster, they're still incredible. Well, also, too, though, like where they do start to get out of hand is about it's level 10 I believe if I remember correctly. Um yes, magical secrets. They gain the ability to pick and choose a spell from a different class list. They can do this I believe twice. 
I believe that's correct. Yes. Yeah. So at this point, you suddenly have a bard who can cast disintegrate, and uh, you know, like he can get spells from two completely different systems and chain them together. There is, uh, we'll try to share it on the Facebook. We'll yeah. try to tweet it out, or we'll, we'll we'll do something. But there is a website that I saw where it's basically combos of spells that you normally wouldn't be able to do that just the bard can do. Well. Now, the thing, of course, is it's a traditional problem with Dungeons & Dragons is that casters tend to get more powerful as more books get released because more and more spells tend to get released. This is a problem that 3rd edition especially suffered horrendously from where eventually the fighter got nothing new from every splat book and every time a new book came out, the wizard got 30 new spells. The cleric got 50 new spells they could cast. The bard, they've done their best reining that in in this edition, but the bard gets to keep doing that because they get everybody's spells. They get everybody's toys, and for once, where the bard was just useful as a very good role-playing kind of skill monkey, bard is actually taking a step up in the world. Yeah. It, he plays with the big boys now. Bard used to be the quintessential tier three class to talk about tier lists, which I'm sure some people debate me contentiously about in the comments. Well, The bard was the most balanced class, in my opinion, in third edition and in fourth edition. Except for glibness. Well, but what, you can't blame one spell yes. for yes, the I entire can. class. All right, guys. So, uh, we, we final thoughts on, on Bard? Final yeah. thoughts on Bard. Um, I know that we – the only final thought that I really have on Bard, I know that we try not to swear on the show very much, but Bards are bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, think that about everybody, though. Yeah, but the, not everyone. The, the fact that every class Just can bards do and monks that can <laughs> – Okay, look, the monk needs some time in the light, okay? Yeah. It was confined it to the dark Hey, hey, we're talking pit. about bards right it, now, it, guys. It does, but the things, the things that bard can do, bard, okay, just to, to sum it up better than bards are bullshit, bards can, bards can get themselves into trouble and just as easily as they get themselves into trouble can get themselves out of trouble. Yeah, it's, it's basically – They're potsters for sure. I love bard. They add a certain flavor to the game that like – it, it, it's super easy to run a D&D game where it's all, oh, we're going to do this for justice and for good. But then you throw a bard into the mix and the bard's like, hey, what is the NPC wearing? And then it just – it adds a certain element of the unknown that I absolutely love. I, I think bards complement rogues excellently. And they're 100%. Both, they're yeah. two halves of the same coin in that they're the face character. Really, if you're ever going to make a schlocky in-game buddy comedy, you need a bard. All right. We're going to take a quick break. But before we take our break um, – Again, just got to thank our sponsor, Watchtower Comics and Games. We don't have to, but we want to. No, we have to. No, we have to. We have to, but yes, paperwork. we want to. Uh, I want Watchtower to Comics well, and Games, but... Dexter, Michigan, and Milan, Michigan. Uh, stop in, buy some dice. Again, they got comics, they got candy, they got toys. Uh, stop in, spend some money, help them out. I know the people who own it and run it. A bunch of good people, a lot of fun. Have a lot of good time with everybody there. Uh, so stop in, show some support, show some love for them. Uh, also, if you could like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, share our stuff out. We would really appreciate we it. We would really appreciate it. We're that. still getting our feet under All right. Us, we will so. be back in about five minutes. Thank you very See you much. Then. Thank you for waiting. We will be back in just a minute. Seriously, thank you for staying with us. We appreciate it. Uh, on that note, I suppose since we've got a moment of uh, pause here, what do you think about uh, 
bards as sort of more grim characters. What about evil bards? Uh, that was exactly what I tried. I Not necessarily evil, but that's what I tried to do with that lord. He was um, – <laughs> for anybody that's listening that's a fan of pro wrestling, I basically tried to uh, channel Paul Heyman through him uh, being the very super charismatic type. Um, very good talker. And he definitely had grim intentions. Uh, I think Bard is a super, super good class yeah, for that. Depending on how evil you want to go, I'd argue that Charles Manson could be an example of an evil Bard because he used his charismatic personality to get other people to do his dirty work. That's actually a really, really good yeah. parallel. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. Personally, yeah. in my opinion, the Bard is the manipulator in the orator, the yeah. demagogue, if you will. The instigator. Yes. He may not do his dirty deeds dirt cheap. But he can make other people do them for him with his silver tongue or his golden tongue, depending on the uh, level of persuasion. This and he'll still off. be making his money. He will. Helen, uh, is the is the stuff. live stream working for you? Because it's not for me. Yeah, it is. Okay, it's cool. I just wanted to make sure that the live stream wasn't down. Wanted to make no, sure no, it was right. just my. Uh, so we're back. Thank you for waiting. Uh, I we had our player's handbook discussion. By all means. Next, we're going to talk about going down in alphabetical order. Uh, our favorite holy man other than the paladin. And my personal favorite class, I know I'm I know I'm pretty far away from the microphone, so I don't know if that was actually heard. We can um, hear you. Just... We can hear you somewhat down. Okay. I'd recommend staying close to the microphone, of course, is a professional opinion. <laughs> clerics in my 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 personal opinion, the reason why I liked cleric and why I picked cleric in the first place was they're they're kind of the best of both worlds. They're in that same gray area that I would give to they're not quite as melee heavy as paladins, but they're kind of in that same like spectrum. If yes, you will. they are very respectable melee fighters as well as fantastic casters. Um, they're nearly halfway in between, may- maybe a wizard and a fighter. Right? Well, the thing, of course, is that a wizard is more of a yeah. a, a selfish class, and the right, cleric is a selfless. Uh, uh, a selfless that's cleric. I meant, I meant to say that they're they're as well, you know, as comfortable in combat as they are just standing back and buffing. Not I know as comfortable as right. they were. I know that it's yeah. a super small detail, but the thing that I really like about the cleric spellless is logically it makes sense that all of those spells would be granted to you by a god. Yeah, um, it's they have to at least justify it. Themselves. All right, so, so starting just, from the top, just just running down like you know basic class features. They have the hit die of one one d eight. Their starting equipment, unlike the Barbarian, you get a decent amount. Uh, you start with either a mace or a warhammer if proficient, scale mail, leather armor, or chain mail if proficient, a light crossbow with 20 bolts or any simple weapon, a priest pack or an explorer's pack, and a shield and a holy symbol. Uh, yeah, apologies. We did not go over the equipment for the bard. We kind of ran through. Uh, the <laughs> yeah. bard gets whatever equipment it wants by bribing people into giving it. Yeah, no, that's actually a very fair assessment. Their, their bread and butter uh, as far as like the skills that you get early is they do not like undead. Uh, they can destroy undead as it goes up through the levels 5 through 17 and for CR that you can just – you can just destroy them. That's it. it you they, can make them run for you. You can destroy them. And I, I feel like I don't have many good things to say about third edition in Pathfinder. But I do like that evil clerics in those editions could choose to instead demand that undead obey them instead of turning them. Yeah. Well, hey, anybody can turn undead. So, you can only do it once though. Yeah. Um, they get uh, – <laughs> when, when you pick – there's divine domain. So there's four of them. Um, Which, by the way, just jumping into that too, this is a very difficult pl- class to play effectively. Yes. Um, there yeah. is – it's one of the spell-heavy classes. You need to have a pretty good understanding of a whole bunch of spells, um, have a pretty good understanding of how your magic system 
works for clerics, which Clint will explain, uh, expand on here in a second. And on top of that, every single domain gets their own little special powers, their own special spells. So you have to add those into the mix. Clerics are a chore to play both as a character and as a player and as a DM running a cleric as an NPC. Now, to be fair, they're, again, like Bards, one of the more more role-playing heavy classes because you have to follow the tenets of your god, roughly speaking. Yes. Uh, They have that going. Well, but the the, the tenets as far as cleric goes aren't like – aren't strict like a paladin where your powers can be stripped. I mean at least depending on how you play. Like in the game that I'm playing with Jake right now, if – uh, my character's kind of caught at a crossroads, and if he if his god becomes unhappy with him, there's already another god that wants to use him as a yeah. as a channel. I believe Nacho had something to say. Yeah, I do want to backtrack a little bit to where Jake was saying why a cleric is hard. I do think you forgot when you have to learn all your different spells and abilities and how to use them. You also need to know when to use them because yeah. your timing is critical. It's as all a about timing. They for a yeah for a works. new player, cleric can be very difficult. However. As a like a sidebar to that, though, life clerics, life domain clerics, the healer, the doctor, if you will, uh, is actually a very easy class for somebody who wants to get into casting because yeah. most of their spells, um, their spells are very simple. Uh, most healing spells have very simple descriptions and their powers are just like, hey, no, I'm really good at this healing thing. Um but as far as some of the more advanced clerics go, uh, so you have uh, – as far as the different divine domains go, you have knowledge, you have life, light. Knowledge is – so let's go Let's go case by case. You want to okay. go case by case? All right. Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, we've got time. With knowledge – I mean all of these domains basically, they meta, – meta speaking, they decide what god you follow but they all de- – they depend on what god you're following. And for, you're, you're not going to follow a god of war and be a knowledge domain cleric. For uh, – to some degree, clerics have always had tons of domains, especially in third edition. And they had – I believe the most feats of any class in the game in fourth edition, they had something like – 17 feats, one for each god. See, like, just just for example, like, in the knowledge domain right here at first level, Blessings of Knowledge, you learn two extra languages and you become proficient in your choice of two of the following skills being arcana, history, nature, and religion. Knowledge is a very good support cleric. If yes. you look at their uh, gifted spells, everything is really built on adding to the party's senses, adding to the party's ability to have knowledge about things they're either running into or things that are going on in the dungeon or in the house or wherever they're at. Although I have to, at some degree, not to interrupt, say that if you're a cleric and you don't have religion, you better have to have a really good... There is a very long debate, though, because religion is an intelligence-based skill and clerics are classically based on wisdom. Wisdom. Ah, that's what I was going to ask. Was this int or wisdom-based? Yeah, see, that's, that's where I think actually my cleric that I've been playing for the better part of a year and a half with Jake, I don't think I'm proficient in religion. Yeah, just a bunch of clerics oh. who it's like, yeah, I'm getting these powers. I don't know a damn thing about God, but well, moving moving further through the divine Joe domains, you've got will. you've got life, which are just as Jake said, your doctor clerics. They're the healing and the they're the good people, I suppose. They give you the helpers. Yeah. Um, then you have the magic. the light domain, where at, at first level you get a bonus cantrip. Um, and just, just more importantly, this. this is where we get into light. 
uh, the light domain, despite having a name that is just light, um, is I think it's a pretty poor name for it because this is actually the burninate the countryside cleric. The light em up domain. Yeah, uh, this exactly. this should have been the trogdor domain. Uh, well, let me share my favorite theory about third edition. Okay, Pilar, the god of the sun. Yeah, is actually lawful evil. Oh, he is Pilar, the burning hate. And that he all because in every art you see Jozon, the cleric in third edition, he's doing something really cruel. And Pilor has always had these burn spells rather than these healing spells and these light spells. And there's not that much support behind him because it's kind of a stupid. Yeah, theory. I mean just going just going through the spells about my sun god like that. The yeah. the spells the spells that you gain by being a light domain cleric, uh, like you get two per every two levels. From first to ninth, you get things like burning hands. At fifth level, you get fireball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, seventh, you get wall of fire. Ninth, you get flame strike. I mean, these are okay. To be fair, flame strike is a very traditionally cleric spell. Flame strike is it, nasty. It is horrifying. In third edition, also, it had a unique kind of damage called divine damage, which nothing could negate. Yeah, you could not resist the flame flaming strike sphere, damage. scorching ray, bunch of. This is a cleric that you play if you just want to do a bunch of damage and. Fire, fire everywhere! Oh my God, there's fire! Nature domain. Is oh Lord, clear the water. Druids yeah. that want to get punched in the face uh, is the way that I would put it. Uh, you get a lot of like nature-based spells just from the domain. Charm animals. You're, it's dominate beast at seventh level is really cool. Yeah, no, nature has always been a really weird one for me, just because I feel like everything that nature clerics do, a druid can do better because druids, other than paladins, are the only ones who have. Uh, so really quick, talking about how magic works in D&D. There is arcane magic and there is divine magic. Clerics fall into divine magic. Paladins also fall there. And druids, technically, a lot of their spells are uh, divine. considered divine. Their spellcasting source is considered divine because the thing about divine is you know all the spells at your level. You just choose which ones you cast because they're granted by some power beyond yeah. you. But nature makes a great choice if you just want to be friends with a bunch of small forest animals uh, and not necessarily turn into one. And you still want to be able to rock some of that medium armor. And you can, you know, be a Disney princess. Yeah. Tem- Tempest is uh, Tempest is super cool in my opinion. Uh, you get like – it says it says right off the bat that like Zeus and Thor are common gods that – um, a tempest. Fun fact: cleric Thor would wear not a war. Or would uh, not wear. Uh, would worship. Um, a lot of the spells that they get are elemental based. I guess you could say things like uh, thunder wave, call lightning, ice storm, destructive wave. Um, they insect also plague. they are one of the two clerics. So a, a bit of uh, talking on Pathfinder uh, in third three five and Pathfinder. Clerics all could wear heavy armor. That's part of what made clerics so terrifying yeah. uh, from the get was the fact that they could wear the best armors in the game and yeah. still cast an amazing selection of spells. They had no spell failure. So one of the ways they kind of just brained them in a little bit was they took away their heavy armor proficiency except for two domains and that is Tempest and War. Tempest is we'll really cool because you get martial. You get a martial archetype. Yeah. You get a martial weapon proficiency, you get heavy armor proficiency, and if you look at the spell list, this is basically a dude who's wearing a bunch of heavy, ridiculous armor riding around on a boat just hitting things with lightning. Oh, Thor, god of thunder, smite my enemies. Yeah. yeah controlling, it's, it's, it's pretty nuts. Well, like spells like control water, uh, call lightning, gust of wind, thunder wave. Like, thunder wave is a surprisingly good spell. I recommend it to anybody. It's fun for players, but as, as a DM who loves to use uh, 
character class NPCs as villains. Tempest is a is a just it's so much fun. You yeah. can do so much cool stuff to your players, and by cool stuff, I mean like really make them upset and hate you. But <laughs> well, I don't hate you yet. Well, yet. okay, but he hasn't stolen all your stuff yet a couple times. Not yet. There's yeah. still time. Paul, still like, time. I swear, if you remind me one more time of something upsetting you've done to me, we're fighting in the parking lot after this show. <laughs> so uh, something I just – I totally skipped over in playing a cleric. I feel really bad about doing so. Um, they get – each each domain gets things called uh, channel divinity abilities. And um, – I like it. It's a change from the old, oh, you can use your levels of turn on dead to do this. It's changed into an actual ability called channel yes. divinity. Uh, so at, between first and sixth level, you can only use it once per long rest. Six to 12, you get two. And then 12 to 20, you get three per long rest. Um, and like as, as you level up within your domain, you can do even cooler things. Uh, so moving on uh, to the trickery domain. Ah, uh, yes. It's a kind of confusing one because it feels like – all the cleric domains feel like they're sort of impinging a bit on other people's abilities. Like the cleric knowledge domain is sort of like, hey, wizards, why don't you just give me some of your skills and your spells? And The trickery the trickery domain, like they are trolls, man. Like it's – Look, you get – They serve on on Trickery domain spells – Yeah, trickery domain spells that you get. You get charm person and disguise self at first level. Moving on, you pass without trace, dispel magic, dimension door, and polymorph, dominate person. I mean, these are all spells that, like when we were talking about, they have no. Yeah, it's the demi wholesome use. Yes, it's the demi bard. That's exactly what I was going to get at. Well, too though, I love the build because again, you got to be good. You got to have a high wisdom, right? And but if you're going to pull off a lot of the schlock that you, you know, would like to try to do as a trickery domain. You need to have a remarkably high charisma. Yes. So that's actually like just for me as a person who really likes seeing some of the numbers on the sheets and like seeing how people have put stuff there. Like a high wisdom, high char- charisma character kind of dumped, you know, dump stats maybe higher up in the physical stuff. But just a divine magic troll, so to speak, a divine, a divinely fueled bard. Yeah. One hundred percent. Well, it's a really cool class. And it's really cool it's fun, certainly. Uh, oh yeah. I'm. Is travel still in? Uh, is travel still a domain, or did they remove that? Because that was always a fun one. Um, I, it has been remain, uh, removed. I believe. Yes. No. There is no unless it's on on Earth. It or might be. Honestly, it could be in Skag. I'm sure it's coming back. Um, moving hope. on. Last but certainly not least, and the one that I play, uh, War Cleric. In case you. Miss the old days of cleric or druidzilla. Oh no, Codzilla is wrecking the town. He's knocking everything down. He's better at the fighter at his job. You've got war cleric. These guys gain at first level proficiency in martial weapons and heavy armor. Much like Tempest. Much like Tempest. Uh, this is the other class. There. This is the throwback. Some uh, of the some of the the, uh, the spells that they just get that they can use. It still costs spell slots, obviously, but I mean uh, spiritual weapon. Freedom of movement, flame strike, and hold monster both at ninth level. Hold monster and hold person are terrifyingly dangerous spells, and I recommend any game masters out there be very careful with giving them things because nothing sucks more than being paralyzed and being unable to do anything. But War Domain is really cool when it's used. Uh, so when used properly, War Domain is basically the buff monster for combat. He's able to wait out into combat. He's able to help his buddies by you know giving them – Shield of Faith, Stone Skin, uh, Freedom of Movement, Spirit Guardian, things like that. Just things to help him kind of shape the battlefield. It's a really cool thing uh, 
to see because it's one of those like it's such a well-built domain in that it works very effectively in that he just marches out and he controls the battlefield through space. I mean even just like take take into consideration the channel divinity that you get at second level guided strike you can use your channel divinity to add plus 10 to your to hit die but the catch is you have to say this before the dm says it hits or misses but you can say it after you've already made the roll. So if you hit something and you know what its armor class is roughly and you know that you, by adding 10, could kill this thing, this is a perfect skill to have. Nacho, you look like you're about to say something. Oh, can you yeah. go on? I do want to add one more thing on that. So when you have your hold person, dominate person, all that stuff, you have your spiritual weapon, which if I remember correctly, you create a Jesus hammer, <laughs> yeah. as, as I like to call it. Then I believe it was a bonus action to control it and make it swing. Yeah. So you it's a bonus your, action to get another attack. Yeah. So you take your normal attacks, you use your hand. bonus action, your spirit weapon swings, they're held. So yeah, while it still while it still costs the full action. Ooh, I'm sorry. Uh, while it still costs the full action to cast that spell, you can because clerics do end up getting the um, extra attack. Every well, well, class gets the extra attack at some level. Do wizards? I can't remember. Do no, I don't think so. I don't no. know. But wizards do not. They don't need it by that level. But your spirit weapon stays out there. So Yeah, your spirit weapon stays out there and you can use that as a bonus action on top of extra in, attack. In case you wanted to role play Diablo 2's Paladin have Holy Hammer spinning around you, of course. Yeah. Uh, so overall, let's – because we need to wrap up Cleric here. Yeah, of course. We need to get on to our next segment. If you have been playing D&D for a while and you want what I would consider to be the best of both worlds, you want to be able to get hit. You want to heal people. You want to buff people. You want to be the all-around playmaker or X-factor on a battlefield. Cleric, I would say, is probably one of the bigger ones. Cleric is a very powerful class with a long tradition of being extremely powerful. Back to 2003 when 3rd edition was released. Yeah. And they said, oh, the cleric's not good enough. How about we just make them fight like a fighter and get all the other stuff too? That's not going to go horribly wrong. Uh, I have some issues with Pathfinder clerics, by the way. But we'll, we'll save that for another day. Uh, clerics are fun. Clerics are good. Clerics are an experienced player's choice, basically. They have a ton of options, and almost all the options are at least usable. But clerics require heavy role-playing investment, too. Yes. So you wouldn't want to have a new player say, okay, here's 16 tenets of your god that you have to obey. Like, imagine uh, for some blasphemous reason that you're playing a cleric of Yahweh, a Judeo-Christian god. You have 10 commandments you must follow. Mm-hmm. And if you break them, you lose your powers. Yep. That requires a lot more dedication than a fighter thinking about how to position themselves as a battlemaster or a ranger or wizard trying to figure out their best way, their best range to fight people. The cleric has to consider in their role-playing opportunities how their god works and how they should work. Overall, it's a very complicated class. It's something if you're a very new player, I – It's a good class. I'd recommend trying it. Yeah, don't, try it. But don't. It can so you be have frustrating. It. Yeah, it's, it can be frustrating. It can be a very tough-to-use class. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of gr- uh, great built-in story potential because uh, there's always that, you know, serving the god or, you know, doing the right thing. There's a bunch of dichotomies you can do. As long as a DM, you're not being a jerk and, you know, trying to uh, – the old classic, I'm going to make you lose your powers by going against your tenants uh, gag, you know. That's then, mostly the paladin, but they now that's due to the cleric because they – the game designers said, huh, jerk GMs were making people either eat this baby or have a whole bunch of other babies die. You lose your powers. Yeah. Who likes that? That's not fun. Yeah. 
boys, I'm actually going to go grab some water real quick. I'm sorry. Go for it. It's fine. So, but we, we should move on to our next segment here because we've now blathered a bit, I suppose, about the cleric for a while. It's a class that has a lot of history. It goes all the way back to AD&D. But there's only so much you can talk about without getting into the spells. Yeah, yep. but the so, blathering, it's very well deserved. Oh, the blathering yes. about cleric is a lengthy topic. So next week we're going to start covering druids and – let's see. Let's actually go through. So druids, fighters, and I believe that would bring us to – Monk. Monk and ranger might be able to get through all of those next week. So definitely look forward to druid, fighter, and monk at least for next week. Ranger if we have time. Also, I think really, paladin there. Oh yeah. No, we're gonna. Did we miss paladin? Yeah. We, the thing is, it'd be druid, uh, no, druid fighter. Oh, yeah. No, I stuck at the alphabet. You're right. Paladin comes first. Uh, it's, uh, it's I've been trying. Make, well, don't worry. Well, paladin. Paladin's gonna take time too because that's a very lengthy discussion. Yes. Because uh, paladin's got complicated in five e. But beyond that point, uh, quick ad break here. So again, one more time, uh, we'd like to thank our. Th- uh, Woo. We'll try We'd that like one to thank more. our sponsors. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Watchtower Comics and Games in Dexter and Milan, Michigan. Uh, again, they pay the bills so we can do this. Really nice people. Everybody stop in, buy some dice if you're ever in southeast Michigan. Uh, show them some love. Go like them on Facebook. You know, Send them a message. Tell them you shouldn't be funding a bunch of jerks on the weekend doing this. <laughs> but, you know, just, just don't let them let know. Them, let okay. them know that they're appreciated. Yeah. Show them some love. But also, if you're enjoying our content and us schlockily getting through all of the classes, um, please make sure to like us on Facebook, share our videos. Uh, we're going to have YouTube and a website here up in the next two weeks. And look forward to that. Look forward to it. Follow us on social media where you can. Like it, share it, send it out to people. So with that, we are going to get into the thing I've actually been looking forward to the most about today's episode. And that is our good friend Nacho here. Nacho, as previously stated, you are a man who served four years in the United States Marine Corps. Devil dogs! <laughs> so, with that in mind, um, I'm sure a lot of people who play this game find out when they start getting into the hobby that there's actually a very heavy military presence in the hobby. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's, I mean, no offense, but you're trapped away from regular party facilities and you've got other people who you're interested in playing games with so yeah on my first deployment i ended up spending nine months aboard a uh, navy ship what was the name of the ship by the way the uss baton oh, okay. good old lhd5 the rusty nickel for you <laughs> shipmate sailors <laughs> so and i can imagine that was a somewhat of a long trip i have to tell you it, it, it was a nice long cruise well one we, of the- we played euchre spades Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons all the time. The first game that I played with Nacho, actually, our Dungeon Master was a Navy vet, and he played uh, tabletop games extensively in the service. A friend of the show, Steven. uh, Nacho, you've met Steven. Yeah, I've met Steven. He came to one of our games, yeah. He's a former Air Force member. Uh, Chair Force, if you will. Oh, sorry. Don't be rude. Oh, man. Veterans Day's coming up. we got to be nice to all our brothers and sisters. I'm sorry. Forgive me, guys. Um, (laughs) So. That was hard for me to say, but. (laughs) Uh, Uh, No, no, I love you guys. If you don't mind me asking a question, I can't imagine that it'd be easy getting materials to play on board a ship. See, this is how we did it. Like, a couple of us, we've been hanging out, talking about random stuff we do. And eventually Dungeons and Dragons came up. It's like, you know what? We could do this. 
So after going down to the library, signing up to get on one of the uh, computers, waiting 12 to 15 hours to finally get our 30-minute block to use the computer to get on the internet, like we had everything planned out, get on Amazon, buy books, but we bought like three or four sets of the uh, pound of dice. You're allowed to bring dice on a Navy ship? You're able to. We didn't bring them, so we had to buy them and have them mailed to us. So then we had to wait another, I think, about a month to get all our dice and books. Then we ended up having two or three games going on in my birthing. Uh, That's the uh, living quarters for those of you that don't know. Okay. And then so we had two or three Marine games. We had – we ended up getting – two or three Navy games. We had a couple where it was mixed. Now, my my big question when it comes to, like, playing games in the service, and you and I talked about it a little bit, um, since you guys are, as Paul mentioned, you guys are on a boat. I mean, you, you guys have your responsibilities to do, but outside of the military responsibilities you have to do on the boat, there's some downtime. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of downtime. A lot of downtime. So, like, wait. are your... Are are your sessions longer than the standard three to four hour session that most people would run? See, we've had some days where it's, hey, we have stuff to do in the morning, so we do a two or three hour sessions. There are other days where it's, we have nothing going on. It's six, seven o'clock at night. Yeah, let's start playing. Next thing you know, it's four or five o'clock in the morning, and it's, we should probably get some sleep. <laughs> Uh, that is a very relatable feeling. I have so, to tell you. how many? Here's the okay. So, on uh, on your ship, about how many crew members? How many? That's a lot. <laughs> how 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 long was the boat? How big? What class? It was a, it was an LHD. So, I believe that's one size smaller than an aircraft carrier. We okay. had the helipads. We had uh, amphibious yeah, I, vehicles. Yeah, okay. my, my grandpa's were something reason, similarly sized. We, yeah. we, there were a lot of people. Oh, a lot of people. Okay. Well, somebody's not imagining a destroyer, but the Navy doesn't have any destroyers. Well, I mean, anymore, do they? I, I'm, I'm more curious, like, how many people eventually, like, were like, what are you guys doing? Oh, that looks like fun. Uh, so if you're talking about people that were playing, I think we got 30 people throughout all the games to actually play. We had other people that were interested, but they didn't want to play because, like, we had large groups of like five to six players. Yeah. How many DMs were on the boat? Uh, we had three with experience. <laughs> three with experience, and some who are just like, There's "I'm gonna do it." You need to learn yeah. to wing things. Yeah. In some of our, in uh, one of the games I was playing in, we'd end up taking turns, and okay, you're gonna run, you're gonna run a game, and. The guy with experience, he'd help coach them through it. So we started with three DMs. We, hey, uh, hey. I see what I did there. Yeah, smooth. But uh, then when we got off, I think we had seven or eight guys that felt comfortable in the DM chair. Yeah. yeah so we had one that he refused to be called dungeon master. He was a dungeon manager. Ah, yes. <laughs> so he's right. like, no. I'm not. I'm not in charge of you guys. I'm here to make sure you're able to play. I like that. Does he have a now? Did he have a dungeon assistant? He actually did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I have a question. Uh, so you're on a ship. The ocean wobbles about. Uh, several people have house rules for if your dice lands on you know the edge of a table or falls on the ground. Did you have a rule for leaners or if the ship pitched and your dice fell off? If it was leaning. 
Oh yeah, leaders. so that it's between it, then yeah, you'd re-roll it. If it fell off, it fell off. Well, yeah. you mentioned you mentioned well, I something specifically on the... if the boat made it fall off. Yeah, because there were times where we were going through it? choppy yeah. waters. I was playing a, a Goliath barbarian, and I used all of my. This was a four E. Yeah, that we were playing. I used all of my dice except for my D four. So eventually, it's like you know what. I'm not going to pull my great axe on this guy. I'm just going to punch him in the face because I'm a barbarian. I can do that. So after waiting for maybe a month or so to use my D4, I finally punch a dude in the face. I roll it. We hit a really big wave. Never saw that D4 again. (laughs) (laughs) You you mentioned that on the way here. Didn't you say that you guys were sailing through a hurricane? Uh, Yeah. So we got extended a month and then coming back, it's like, well – we could add a couple more days or a week or two, or we could just go right through the hurricane. We went through the hurricane. I don't remember which one it was. It's a big ship. It doesn't care yeah. that much about the hurricane. Yeah, so. it's like there were times where you had one foot on the floor, one foot on the wall. But Now, was this was this the same uh, – because I remember you were talking to me. That, that was when I lost my D4. Now, were you, Rest uh, in peace, D4. What, I was, someday, what I'm going to ask is – was that the same deployment that I remember you said that you were a part of the crew that broke the Navy record of being at sea without returning to port? Yes. In um, 2014, USS Bataan. Was that logged. the was that the campaign that you lost the D or was that yeah. the uh, was that the deployment that you lost the D four yeah, on? Yeah. yeah, that was the only one I was on a ship. The other time I spent six months in Spain drinking sangria, grilling <laughs> bratwurst, playing random Dungeons and Dragons. We had one dude that actually played uh, Indiana Jones DM didn't catch on till nine oh. or ten sessions in. <laughs> oh my god! What was his name then? Like Dakota James? <laughs> no, he, he picked some random name, but he was a wizard. So he was a professor at a university. He enjoyed going on archaeological digs, and he looked for relics and artifacts. And then we're playing. This is the same DM that wanted to be a dungeon manager because Jonesy was awesome. He went with me to the uh, to a different unit after that first deployment. <laughs> he's sitting there. He's explaining what's going on, and then he stops. He sets his book down. He looks up. You're Indiana Jones. <laughs> By the way, um, the response should have been, "No, I'm Arkansas Jefferson." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Arkansas Jefferson. <laughs> it's it's. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but oh, no, it's something it. you should consider is that a lot of people when I see when they start playing Dungeons Dragons, they decide I'm going to emulate this character from pop culture. And there's nothing wrong with that. I yeah. started off by playing random characters from other franchises and that's fun. It's N- difficult to get into your own role-playing skin. Yeah, you have to look for inspiration for your characters. And not not to en- game to base characters off of other things and see how long it took the DM to figure it out. <laughs> Nacho, Nacho, and Jake in a one shot that I just ran uh, last Tuesday uh, in in my camp because I use my one shots similar to the way that Jake uses one shots to kind of build the lore of your world, help to introduce different areas of your world in your main campaign. Uh, they played a couple of brothers that uh, had a long lost father, and the father, the basis of him, was Captain Kirk. Um, so Captain Kirk is now a thing in my campaign setting. Yeah, Jake was a half elf. I was a half orc. Captain Kirk, he, he really loves gets green around. women. Yeah. So it's only natural. He loves green you, women. That's, you listen, and you now can't you have to cast fight, a supernatural you, and Kirk. Yeah. You can't help the fact that 
Mr. James T. Kirk, Mr. James Tiberius Kirk, is just a sexual magnet. It's the truss. If you pardon my French, a goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus. Yes. So That's putting it mildly. T- <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, but back to D&D in the military. So I guess here is like slightly more serious questions, you know, hard-hitting journalism stuff here. Um, no, so – Brace yourself. Well, here's, here's a few questions. Um, for one – what would happen – I mean I presume you know, you just drop everything and you have to go do your work. Yeah. But were there ever drills that ever messed up a game or like an actual serious event where everybody needed to stop what they're doing, you know, well, throw something on the table? And most of the time we'd do our games at night okay. to avoid having to actually do stuff. <laughs> Clever. But there was one time where someone ended up dropping a chem light off the side of the ship accidentally – they, what is a chem light? It's a, uh, glow, it's a fancy glow stick. Like okay. a flare? A super fancy glow no, stick. No, just a glow stick. Oh, okay. And then uh, someone accidentally dropped one. It fell into the water. They saw that and they're like, oh, crap. We lost someone. I'm actually doing really good at watching my language. But uh, <laughs> they saw that. So they called a man overboard and it's like, OK, we have to actually go places. So we're quickly scooping up all our dice, throwing them in our beds to make sure that they don't get lost in the everybody running around. Yeah. But outside of that, no, we never had any interruptions. How long uh, would you say – like did you guys do subsequent campaigns like – or did, was it just one long story that – did it get finished before the deployment? Well, was it like a story or was it just sort of a series of episodes basically? Uh, it was more of a series of episodes because with 4E, you had the different tiers – Paragon, heroic, and was it legendary or something like that? Were, something now, like that. were you using modules or was it like? Oh no, the uh, DM he was coming up with all that stuff on his own. Oh sweet! I, I got to say, I'm really impressed because Four yeah. is an excellent system for game masters to start, but it is not easy to improvise. Yeah, but because they had different tiers, it was okay. Well, you're at these levels. We're doing this thing, and well, you guys are hitting. You guys are hitting that level, so yeah. we're going to do a time skip, and now we're on a different quest. About how many days a week did you play? Because I'm presuming these are all like the same game. Yeah. Well, we had to work it around playing Magic the Gathering, <laughs> Bingo, because Bingo's big on the boat. What, what format of Magic did you play, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, asking, sorry. Oh. A lot of us, we were legacy. We were playing Legacy because a lot of us had old cards. There were some guys that played Modern. We Golfing up- for rich people. That's what we call legacy. Yeah. And then uh, like there were times where we'd play Commander, Chaos Magic, which was extremely hectic when you have 10 people and the rules keep changing. <laughs> but we're here for Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. move on. That. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. About how many days a week, though, would you say? Um, Did your group at least meet? I think I was playing three or four days a week. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, that I is. gotta tell you, that's because it's like, easy. hey, we've got plenty of time. So. Yeah, hats off to your DM, yeah, by the way, because that's that's not easy. I mean, oh, Jones is the greatest. If I could, I would play that much a week. Yeah, but still, just like, okay, now we got to come up with different content. Okay, well, this it, happened yesterday, so okay, got to do this, got to do that. Yeah, he was really good with off the cuff stuff, and then like he pulled inspiration from everything. Yeah, because he had a very wide base of knowledge, so. That helped him a lot. Um, did anybody – so actually you said so you were out on the longest naval deployment 
which well not not longest deployment because there there was one that they were out for well over a year longest we, we just not had, without going into port yeah, basically it was uh like the end of february until i want to say september so what happened to i guess that game do you keep in touch with any of the players and stuff like has there ever been an attempt to hey guys let's get on roll 20 or let's do some online thing uh we haven't gone to roll 20 yet but like every now and then we keep in touch with each other yeah but you guys haven't played together since no we haven't played together since getting out that's sad it's really sad you need to yeah i know you need to get the band back together (laughs) there's a tarask somewhere that needs an ass whooping (laughs) okay uh, one more time. One Everybody more time. dust off the character sheets. If you don't mind. Tarask whooping, if you will. Oh, no. All questions are on the table. Don't you do puns on me. What was the perception of Dungeons & Dragons in the military? Because basically my perception is that Dungeons & Dragons is for people like me, for nerds. And no offense or anything, but I got bullied a lot in high school about it. So obviously I'm sure it's different because you got so many people playing. But what was the thought process? Well, you have so many okay. people who can kill you in a very effective manner. Who are all like, yeah, let's play D anD. But mean, Frozen and Pitch Perfect came out, so we watched those all the time. We loved watching anime, talking about anime and nerding and nerdy stuff. Yeah. So it's like on the outside, oh wow, it's all these gruff infantry dudes. But inside, it's like biggest. Hey, we just want a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> we we didn't go that far. We didn't have body pillows. <laughs> <laughs> are you? Can you confirm that there was not a single body pillow? On there, your ship? there was not a single body pillow in our birthing. Thank God. What oh. one of the Navy guys? We believe, but we don't know for sure. We didn't go into their living area because that that wasn't our area. Very fair. Very fair. Thank God. Um. Well, in in the Navy, their wife was all to see. Yeah, well, I I also do want to say, guys, I think that the three of us have some work to do because the Marine has done a better job of watching his mouth than we have this episode. <laughs> yeah, I could be better. Sorry, <laughs> I'm I'm honestly surprised that I haven't sworn on this yet. Keyword is yet. We are over an hour. We're reaching after hours. Time. Of course, we're. Yeah. Uh, oh no, this is just we're doing ex- it live. This extended, is the extended cut. Yeah, extended yeah. interview but, with Sweet Nacho uh, again. What was the perception of it as far as the personnel? Was, I, I guess I guess to elaborate on what Paul is saying, like it was it was it just like your group? Did they view you guys as outsiders, or was it just like eh, whatever? Well, at first it was what are you doing, and some people would make fun of it, and then eventually they're like, oh yeah, they're just playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, no sillier. Than and then the gathering. They're, they're, yeah, our, our our DM he actually he had to take a moment when he was like. When Magic the Gathering got its time changed, he's like, okay, well, we're going to change this session so that it goes this time so it's not interfering with Magic. And then he stopped and he looked at the table. He's like, I think that's the nerdiest thing I've ever said. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there were guys that they thought it was terrible. They laughed about it. Some of those guys actually ended up playing with us and turned out to love it. That's that was good. my experience with the jocks. I I think I mentioned it last time, but – in high school, I eventually ended up with an all-football player team of Dungeons & Dragons players having me run a game for them. And they were mocking me originally. And then they started defending me and playing games with me, which is great, honestly. But yeah, what I've noticed is the people that mock it the most end up loving it the most. So, what is your favorite character that you came up with while you were at sea? While I was at sea... Um, and how many did you have? How often did this Jonesy kill you guys? 
I never got killed. I accidentally killed our warlock once. Atta boy. Uh, we were fighting. He deserved un- it. We were accidentally. Fighting- well, I was fight. We were fighting undead. I forgot which one it was, but when you kill it, it explodes. Oh. Our our warlock was just inside the radius, and his hit points were just low enough that he died. That's rough, buddy. So, Rest in pieces. Nelson, if you're watching this, again, I'm sorry. <laughs> because your warlock saved my uh, Goliath from slavery, which I can't remember the name that I had for that character. But it was a Goliath barbarian. He became stone bl- – he uh, picked the paragon path of stone blessed. So add one extra square of uh, reach. Then with my weapon, I had another square of reach. And then – so I've got 15 foot of reach. Took my feats so that if you're within my reach, I get an opportunity attack. Took the other feat. Hey, every time someone comes in – Every time someone goes to make goes to where I'd get an opportunity attack, I can make all those attacks. So I'd walk into the center of the room and done, done, done. Yeah, with your huge stretchy limbs. Yes. Um. Yeah. No. Well, that was a thirty foot uh, kill box. Yeah. The instant death radius, if you will. Welcome to the torture chamber. Well, (laughs) but as far as that all goes, that's. I think we've pretty much asked most of our questions. Thanks for coming on the show again today, bud. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. Um, this is a dream come true. <laughs> I get to uh, pretend I'm on a radio show because we're – this is a podcast. This is a radio show. You're not we're, pretending. You're oh, here. We're live. On the internet. But, OK. I, I'm talking like driving in the car on the radio. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well, but what we'll, is, we'll, 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 we'll get, get there. there. We'll get there. OK. Um, other so, than other than Dave, who was uh, the engineer of the first episode, Nacho is actually our first proper guest. Yeah. So, we hope to have more in the future, of course. But, but with that, Nacho, you did prepare a little something for us. So November the 10th is the birthday. Now, can you tell me exactly what birthday it is for our beloved United States Marine Corps? So November yeah, November 10th, 1776, back in Tun Tavern, getting drunk as Marines do, we created the United States Marine Corps. So happy 241st birthday, Marines, Semper Fi. All righty. And then on November 11th, we have Veterans Day, so – Make sure to thank your veterans. It's actually funny. I didn't mean to do it. I just realized that I'm wearing red, white, and blue socks with Atta stars boy. all That's over. Atta boy. boy. Fancy so, boy. God bless <laughs> America. God I believe as, I believe that it was described before our uh, before we started recording today. You have a build for a character that would make Chesty Puller proud. Oh, yes. Chesty Puller, the crazy motherfucker who wants to put a bayonet on a flamethrower. Why would I do you? not believe in dropping <laughs> F-bombs on that show, but you frankly cannot describe a man who wants to put a bayonet on a flamethrower as anything else. Also, the, one of the greatest Marines that ever lived. There's a reason Chesty Puller had five Navy crosses. Exactly. And so <laughs> Which is talk us through hey, A, he- a heated up bay- bayonet can uh, uh, sear a wound. Yeah, it's like, like, a, yeah, like a lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, lightsaber. <laughs> a shitty but the build I made, it's fairly simple. So if you're newer to the game, you want to start delving into cross-classing, but you don't want to do a really technical build like Jake's Spell Sniper was because that was really technical. Yeah. So to start off, you're going to do four levels of Barbarian. Get I pref- that anger flowing. Yeah, you got to get the anger. Or I guess I should start with the background. You take the Sailor background because you get Athletics and Perception for your trained skills. Excellent skills. Perception is king. Which, wow, I I really suck at this. 
You start on, with the, you start with the race. Yeah. It is a uh, mountain dwarf, so you get your plus two strength, plus two con. Okay. Hold on. A dwarf on a boat? Who are you kidding? Hey, he's a little rage beast, and if they offer him food and ale, you can get a dwarf on a boat. Very true. So, so it's now, now that I'm actually at the right part. So we start Mountain Dwarf. We got that plus two con. We got that plus two strength. So we're already going for somebody who likes a lick to the face. Yeah. You take Sailor because for those of you who do not know, United States Marine Corps, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you technically are under the branch yeah. of the Navy. Yeah. We are a department of the Navy. We were – we originated to protect the Navy ships, which is where, as I want to call him, Lil Chesty – because that might get you in some trouble. That, that might. That, so, yeah. So for this character, not Chesty Puller. If only. If only. He's on a navy sh- or he's on a ship to protect the crew there. Okay. It's a little rage beast, and then while he's there, he starts learning some traditional combat. So he starts taking fighter levels, and you want to get that great weapon fighting because you're using a great axe or a great sword. Whichever you prefer. Next best thing after a gun. A mall, something like that. Now, just to just to clarify, I want to take a step back yeah. here. Is there a specific reason why you took four levels of Barbarian versus – So I guess I could have gone over that. But you take the four levels of Barbarian so that you get your primal path, mm-hmm. which again, I forgot about. I'm terrible at this. It, it happens. I wouldn't worry too much about it's it. It's my first time. Repeat yep. to yourself, it's just a show. I should really just relax. <laughs> but yeah, like at second level Barbarian, you get your uh, advantage on dexterity saves against effects you can see. Mm-hmm. You get At third level, you get your primal path, which you want to take the wolf totem so that all of your allies, if they're attacking a creature that you're within melee range of, they get advantage on it, which is great for the team. A master of, if you will, Semper Fu. <laughs> and that and that works out perfectly yeah. when you were saying that he's put on this boat to protect people. He's buffing the people that he's protecting. Yes, because he's an inspiration to them. And then you take the fourth level so that you get that stat increase. And then from there, he starts getting proper weapons training. You take great weapon fighters so that when you get a one or a two on your damage rolls, you get to re-roll those. And you want to go with the – I want to say it was Champion? A champion fighter, I believe you said. Yeah. As opposed to the Battlemaster fighter. but It's, it's the first one in the player's handbook. Yes, champion. No, it's Please champion, champion. Uh, also known as the I'm just here to hit stuff fighter. <laughs> yeah, and then you just start leveling that up as a fighter. So you have your great weapon fighting, you reroll ones and twos. Eventually, I think it was early on, you start rolling a crit on a 19 mm-hmm. as opposed to a 20. Mm-hmm. An later, ancient tradition in D&D. Later on, that turns into an 18 for a crit. And then at the when it's all said and done and you hit level 20 because you didn't die. <laughs> or maybe you did die and you came uh, back. Again. One day. Somehow you, you got, got better. And then at that point, if you don't take any feats, you will have 20 strength, 20 dexterity, 20 constitution – 10 Intelligence, 10 Wisdom, and 10 Charisma, which I think is pretty overpowered. But It's well-balanced. <laughs> well, you're, you're definitely the strongest and toughest and most dexterous yeah. man to have lived. Yeah, so 
I think it's a great build if you're just starting to get your feet wet into uh, multi-classing. It doesn't take too much effort. You get to start seeing how different classes can help buff each other. So as far as as far as the trade-off between like what you can do as far as in this case because you're building this to be like a damage dealer. Yeah. The the amount of damage that you can deal with on the opposite side of the scale, the mechanical difficulty of the class, you would say is pretty in favor of the damage versus the mechanical difficulty. Yes. It's not that difficult. The Battlemaster fighters well, a ton of abilities, well, but yeah. the champion has a yeah. couple. So. Yeah, mechanically it is extremely simple. So it's great for newer players. Or if you're just trying to get adjusted into 5e because you're coming from a different edition, mm-hmm. then you don't have to worry about all the different mechanics. So you get to start off easy and you're just dealing a ton of damage. Just wanted to clarify for the, uh, with the, a natural the newer armor. listeners. Yeah. yeah, with a natural armor of 20 because of unarmored defense. So plus 5 for your dexterity, plus 5 for your constitution, 10 base. Okay. So you mean like red dragon levels? Of armor class while completely just no shirt, loincloth. Just wearing the loincloths. You're forgetting the cigarette that's coming out of his lips. And if we're going with a very modern marine, the monster energy can or the rip it can. Rip it's. Rip it's. <laughs> rip it's. Which unfortunately I have monster today instead of a rip it because well, it's as I've always under as high up. As I've always understood, it's monster when you're at home, rip it when you're out. Yeah. Um So the only thing I think you're missing is a certain item. Uh, there is, uh, if you look at the figurines, I do believe the, uh, there is a certain figurine from the DM's guide, the list of items. I might be wrong here. Bear in mind, I'm a player. I don't DM. So I tend to stay away from the DMG. Still like. (laughs) You just look at it and you're just like, not today, Satan. No, it's it's, like, nope, not for me. (laughs) That's a wise thing, but there's always more to learn. But oh. but see this is this is also yeah, I, I I I did make on. this point that I think it's an awesome perspective to have Nacho on the show as a a strict player perspective on things. I'm not very good at being a player, Fred. I like too much attention. No, you know what? Actually, what I was going to say there because I know there is an item, but we can fluff one because there's a small obsidian horse that turns into a nightmare. The only thing this character actually needs to be 100% thematically appropriate as an old timey marine who hits things with an axe is a small obsidian statue of a dog. So we can summon a hellhound. Yes. There we go. There we go. No, so, dog, so thank you for completing that build. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to post uh, the character sheet for that on our Facebook, and we're going to tweet it out here in a little bit uh, when that's all done. So that's going to be our show for today, guys. Nacho, thank you again so much for coming in, answering our questions. Uh, we'd love to have you come sit in again whenever you're free. Whenever uh, you that Nacho, time. I believe you've been called out on the comics. On the comments, Michael oh. Scanlon says, but you're going to DM our group with a laughing emoji. <laughs> no, he wants to play Star Wars. That's uh, different, so, bud. So that, that's different. <laughs> I, I recommend uh, the good, D20 good Star Wars and the <laughs> Edge of the Empire Star Wars. So. Yeah, no, uh, thank, thank, yep. Thanks again for coming out. Like as soon as as soon as we had this show, I was uh, the idea for the show. I was going through like the list of people that I would want on the show, and Nacho was definitely towards the top of that list. Yeah. Of just, I have got to get one of my closest friends that I've played D anD D with now for the better part of six years, five six years, a lot. All right, yeah. something like that. So a lot. Time to, time for the go home, boys. Uh, one more time, shout out to our sponsor, Watchtower Comics and Games in Dexter and Milan. Go ahead, and stop grab by. Some dice from them. Buy dice, buy comics, buy candy, buy whatever you can. If Give you them a like on D4 Facebook. On show them some love. Because uh, again, they pay the bills to let us shout into the internet about D and D and. 
We adore them for it. Uh, like us on Facebook. Like us on and follow us on Twitter. Share this video. Uh, we got a YouTube page and a website that are going to be up and running in the next two weeks. But, uh, also this evening, probably. Uh, we can only hope. It. In the next two weeks. Yes. Another 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 huge shout out to Podcast Detroit for allowing us to use their facilities. They are fantastic. Great yes, group if you've ever considered wanting to do your own show, go ahead and look at Podcast Detroit because getting started here is a lot easier than you think. Oh, as yeah. long as you got an idea and a passion for it, they will give you a very affordable space to use that's clean and excellent. And last like but not hour. least, uh, for our Boppin' intro theme that you may or may not have heard. Uh, we'd like to give a special thank you to Rebecca Riot, a uh, close personal friend of mine, wrote it for us, um, and it's nailed it on one try. Like, hey, what do you think of this? After it I got slaps. the email, and yeah, I was just like, oh, that's a jam. So, Clint, if you could play us out with that. Oh, I loved it. We are the 3DM's podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and Please well, roll on. I'm Jake. I said that was bad. Yeah, that was early, too. That Come on now. Real early. Uh, Come on, Mr. I, Professional. I, I thought Nacho. I was screwing up. I'm sorry. That was oh, and good. by the way, happy birthday, Marines. Uh, I'm happy Jake. Happy birthday, Nacho, last week. I'm Paul. I'm Clint. And I'm Nacho. Oh. And I'm the disembodied voice. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Christmas past. Thanks for listening, guys. Christmas creep is real. Roll on. Oof. Roll on. <laughs> I think I was doing really good until it went to where I actually had a guideline. Once I had to follow the guideline, that's when it all turned into a train wreck. Well, no, I think it went well. Real talk, I think it went very well. Oh, no, oh yeah, yeah, it was just when it came right, to the well, belt. It's like, wow, I... I'm going to have a quick cigarette. Yeah. We'll discuss some things. I think you did okay. Uh, oh, yeah, it was just when I got to the guideline, that's right where I like, choked. Uh, I sledgehammered my way through that final segment, <laughs> I got to admit, but... Yeah. But that was a lot I think this is Jake's player's notebook. <laughs>